Five, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin, he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. For when you were a slave of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me this evening. Lord Jesus, you are the author of life, and it is in you that we have life. Your word promises us that you have come, that we might have life, and that we might have it abundantly. Come, Lord Jesus, and help us to see you tonight, believe in your life-giving presence, and to receive your abundant and eternal life, which starts here and now. And now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Tonight's sermon title is Eternal Life, Celebrating Abundant Life in Jesus. Celebrating Abundant Life in Jesus. And when Anne said that the theme tonight is life, well, she chose some good verses, the focal verse of which is 640, uh, John 640. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And... And I will raise him up on the last day. It is interesting that uh, John would have Jesus saying, that Jesus is saying here, that I will give them eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Have you ever picked up on that? It's as, it's as if eternal life is starting, well, right now. And I think oftentimes we think that this is something we're waiting on some other time, or this will come later, or I just have to endure this now. And then the second focal verse from our Romans reading, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The payment, the wages of sin is death. This is one time where you don't want to get what you've earned. It's death and our sinfulness. Now, uh, in my carnal nature, the first thing I thought about when I thought about life is life cereal. Now, I know I'm dating myself here. I, I'm a child of the 80s, and you might remember the life cereal commercials. Um, if you don't, I will explain it to you. This is a cereal that is good for you in the land of, you know, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, one of my favorites, and Fruit Loops and things like this. But then the parents decided, well, we need, we need something good for our kids. And life came out, and they tried to sell it to kids with a cute commercial. There were two boys who, of course, uh, weren't going to eat this life cereal. And they decided that they were going to... Uh, you know, pawn it off on their friend Mikey and to see if Mikey would indeed like the life cereal. So Mikey ate it and they're watching because Mikey apparently doesn't like anything. Uh, they're watching to see if Mikey will like the cereal. And lo and behold, Mikey liked it. After he ate it, he exclaimed to everyone, they, they exclaimed to everyone surprised, he likes it, he likes it, he really likes it, Mikey likes it. And so in the 80s, you know, it became, you know, if somebody did something that was cool, you would say, oh, Mikey likes it. You know, it would be one of these things that became a, pop, a part of pop culture. So this idea, this point of this commercial, it's quite simple. The idea that something that is good for you, life, can also be good. This is what, this is the message that was hoped to be conveyed by, by those who are selling this cereal. The assumption in this commercial is plain as well. See if you can pick up on it. If it is good for you, it is usually not good. <laughs> right? Isn't that the opposite assumption? Hence the surprise reaction of these young boys at Mikey actually liking something that was good. Now Jerry Seinfeld did a spoof on this. And he said, how arrogant that do you have to be to name a cereal life? There's everything else, and then there's this, life cereal. Um, as a matter of fact, I was picking up these cards from CBS, and someone said, well, what is this? I mean, what if I just exclaimed, it is life. It is life. Now, there, there are verses, and, and on, on these verses, we believe that Jesus is life. And Jesus, on this verse, is even saying that, that he is the bread of life. I am the bread of life. But for me to say to this woman, oh, this is life itself, well, I don't think that would have gone over quite well. Maybe this is what we do in our sinfulness. Do we make these assumptions about our lives? Do we assume that the life that Jesus has for us is not as good as the life that we have dreamt up for ourselves? Have we done that? Maybe we think that the way we run our family life is better than what the scriptures prescribe. Maybe uh, what we're doing with our time and resources is not in line with what God is doing. And maybe we think that this is a better way, that our way is the way to quote a good life. After all, this life that Jesus offers is strange looking. It's weird and we don't know what he's talking about. As a matter of fact, our gospel reading 
is from the Bread of Life discourse in John chapter 6. Jesus has just fed the 5,000 and he's created quite the mob, quite the crowd who was following him around. And they're asking him, they're saying, hey, do a sign for us. You did the bread thing. Our forefathers ate manna in the wilderness. Do something like that. Do something awesome. Do something great. Do something miraculous. And Jesus said to them, well, your forefathers, well, they ate manna in the wilderness and they died. The life that I give you, the bread that I give you, will spring up to eternal life. If you eat of this bread, and of course he said this bread is me, my body. And even some of his own followers walked away. This was so preposterous of a thought. Well, this can't be, this, this can't be good. This isn't the life that we think, we wish we had bread raining down from heaven. By the way, that didn't go over well the first time, if you read the account, with the people and their disappointment at God at that manna. Well, this is what sin does. It elevates our own will, our own ways, our own sinful desires above what God wills. This is the issue of sin and death. It is at the heart of what Paul is getting at in Romans 6, 20-21, when he says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, oh, don't worry about the righteousness stuff. You're a slave to sin. Forget about the righteousness business. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things which you are now ashamed of? I mean, it's like when you're at the high school reunion and people are talking about the partying they did back in high school. And then they get quiet and sheepish as they remember the consequences. Maybe you're in it too. The conversation, oh yeah, remember that time? And then you went, oh, but. And there's shame there. For the end of those things, Paul says, is death. Paul goes on to say that the payment, the wages of sin is death. That there is a time where we do not want what we deserve. And that is this time, the payment of sin. We do not want to get paid what we have earned. It is death. Our selfishness ends in pain, death, and loss. On the other hand, Paul tells us that the free gift, nothing you can do to earn it, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul tells us in Romans 6 verse 22 that we have been set free from sin. Picture like a caged bird just flying out of the cage. And we have become slaves to God. Bound to Him. But the fruit we get leads to sanctification. And its end is eternal Life, abundant life. In Christ, we live, you see. One of my favorite passages about life comes from Colossians 3, 3 through 4. And kids, I always think about hide and go seek at this point, Matthew. Always think about, like, you know, when you play hide and go seek, you go looking for somebody. This is what I think about with this verse. It says, in this passage, for you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
So in other words, if you want to find your life, where's Jesus hiding? <laughs> Let's go look for Jesus, and when we find Him, we find life. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. I like the thought that our lives are hidden in Christ, in God. The passage also tells us that Christ is our life. You see, life is a person, and His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Himself said this. I'm not making this up. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Life is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. In regard to life, Jesus said to Martha in John 11, after her brother had died, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, this is one of the most important questions of all of Scripture. Do you believe that Jesus is life? That our life comes from Jesus. Jesus asked, do you believe this? Do we believe that Jesus is our life? We also believe, now let's just flip it and see if it still sits right with you. Do you also believe that to live without Jesus is not to live at all? See, because that is also true. The areas of your life where, where Jesus is not there, part of it, that you've somehow painted him out of the, the landscape, that is not to be living in that Sphere at all. For he would have all of our lives. If we do not have Jesus, we do not have life. Our life comes from Jesus. And if we have the Son, we have life. And that's good news. This is what Jesus is communicating to his disciples in our gospel reading this evening. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me should never thirst. Wearsby says that, Jesus clearly identified what the bread is. That he is the true and life-giving bread. By the way, that's what manna means. Uh, what is it? They were asking for manna from heaven. Um, when the bread rained down from heaven during the Exodus, the people said manna, which means what is it? And Jesus shows up on the scene saying, I am the bread of life. He is saying, I am what it is. It is me that sustained your forefathers, but the bread that I'm now giving you will lead to life. Jesus is clearly identified as the living bread that came down from heaven, but he came not only for Israel, but also for the whole world. He came not just to sustain life, but to give it, but to give life. The word for life here is zoe. It is physical and spiritual life. It's my sister's name. Zoe. It is all of life throughout the universe. It is where all of it is derived. In that it always or only comes from God. And is sustained by God's self-existent life. The Lord intimately shares His gift of life with His people. Creating each in His image. Which He gives everyone the capacity to know His eternal life. This life from the author of life is good news. We have both physical and spiritual life in Jesus Christ. 
John speaks of this life in 1 John 5.20 in this way. He says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. And He is the true God and eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? That He is life. The Austrian philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein said this. He said that death is not an event in life in that we do not live to experience death. If we take eternity to mean that it is infinite, temporal, or temporal duration, but timelessness, then eternal life belongs to those who live in the present. Our life begins now and here in this present day. Our life starts now, and God has saved us from sin, and this is true, and we always focus that Jesus Christ saved you for sin, from sin. But I'm frustrated that we stop here. Think about it, Christianity. God has saved you from sin. That's only half the story, folks. For he has also saved you for Life, you see. And I think that this is why Christianity ceases to be appealing to the masses. Because yes, I am saved from sin, but what am I saved for? God has saved us for this life in Him, and this life starts now. As the philosopher wrote, that it is timeless. Our eternal life begins here and now in the present day. Paul has said this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm living. Yet it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now listen to it. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. We are living in eternal life now in Jesus Christ. We are often consumed by what we have been saved from. But we must also be aware and seeking that which Jesus Christ has saved us for. He has saved us for life in him. He has saved us for eternal and abundant life in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, many of you know this story from C.S. Lewis's sermon, The Way of Glory. He says that if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. But I, I think that sometimes this is true. We choose this. But I think also sometimes we can do this in our ignorance. Case in point, I was at my sister-in-law's wedding. She got married about a week for, uh, before us. My wife and I are about to celebrate 14 years on Tuesday. And a week before our wedding, we were at another wedding. And there was... You know, finger foods, like the, the, the good kind, the savory kind in abundance. You know, and I was eating little weenies and cheeses and, and I was feasting, really. And uh, for almost an hour, 
and I was thinking to score some more chicken and wondering where the cake was. Uh, about the time uh, the paneled walls opened up to reveal a full sit-down meal complete with DJ, open bar, cake, and I was already full from weenies and, and hors d'oeuvres. And I kind of stood there thinking, oh, this is going to be a while. I had no idea. Here I was with these finger foods, and I had filled myself and was about to check out when the real party was about to start. This is what we do when we pursue less than what God has for us. Sometimes we do it intentionally, other times just in our ignorance. When we choose our life over God, that's what it looks like. God desires that we might walk in newness of life, as it says in Romans. Jesus said that this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, comma, and I will raise Him up in the last day. Now, I don't know how you read that, but as far as I can tell, it begins right now. And God desires it for us. He desires us to have a life and does not want us to settle for what we can imagine, comprehend, or bring about by our own devices, powers, or will. He has something better. I think about my wife. And I tell you, in my wildest imaginings, I couldn't have dreamt her up that God would have her for me. Maybe this is like this for you. You have moments where you were given it your all and achieved your best. And then God just surprised you. And I would petition that that's probably your best moments. The ones not that you dreamt of, but that God just laid before you. I would have never imagined the life that I've been living since following Jesus. I wonder what he's got in store. I don't know, but I'm along for the ride. God desires for us to have life. He doesn't want us to settle. God has this life for us. and He doesn't want us to settle for what the world has to offer. God wants us to join the real feast. Which has already started. Come on in. Romans 12.1. Wearsby says that the believer's body. Should be presented to the Lord as a living sacrifice for his glory. The Old Testament sacrifices were dead by the way. The Lord may ask some of us to die for him. But you can guarantee this. He's asking all of us to live for him. Now, beloved, if then you have been raised with Christ Jesus, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your life. 
Oh God, Heavenly Father, you have blessed us and given us dominion over all the earth. Increase our reverence before the mystery of this life. And give us new insight into your life and your purposes for us and all the human race. Give us new wisdom and determination in making provision for its future according to your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.